Shaquille Alexander, pregame.com. You're betting dork on a Monday morning. Our first return guest to the show. My honor to welcome back the man who knows the NBA. Covering the NBA beat from Yahoo Sports, Mark Spears. How you doing, Mark? Oh, man, I'm making it. You're making it. What did you, what, ser- it. what series did you cover in the first round? The Boston-Miami series? <laughs> I went to two games in the Boston-Miami. No, four games, Boston-Miami series. One game, the Orlando-Charlotte series. One game, the Denver-Utah series. And one game, the Lakers-Oklahoma uh, City series. Uh, I did game one of Lakers-Jazz. And I'll be covering the Lakers-Jazz series. Wow. All right, single so most... a lot of basketball already. Single most surprising thing, in your opinion, that we witnessed in round one? I'd say the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I'm sure people would automatically assume Thunder, uh, but, you know, it, I, I thought Thunder, Thunder would make it interesting, and it went to six games, and, you know, but, but for the Milwaukee Bucks to be without... Andrew Bogut and Michael Red and pushed that series to seven games. Says a lot about the coaching. Says a lot about the future with Brandon Jennings. It's a lot about their heart. It says a lot about the Atlanta Hawks' lack of focus. Because um, suddenly, all of a sudden, when they got on the verge of elimination, they, they routed those guys twice. Which tells me what's wrong with this team. They're, they're not focused. They, they could have finished this series a long time ago. And their mental state is, is very weak. Interesting, and when and that's an interesting thing going into round two, obviously against Orlando, which we'll get into. Actually, I I thought what you would answer, Mark. I thought what you were going to say is the fact that the Heat got beat so you know quickly by the Celtics. No, no, because I don't think the Heat were any good. You know, um, they they have they have a superstar who top three player in the league, but. He can't do it by himself. Uh, they look better on paper than they are in person. Jermaine O'Neal, nice guy. I really enjoy covering him, but he's not what he was. He's he's on the downside of his career. Probably should be a backup center now. You know, um, Michael Beasley's frustrating weight. He, he hasn't lived up to the promise of him being selected over O.J. Mayo and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love and Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez, he's, he's been a disappointment. And then nobody else really matters. So, I mean, shoot, when they're playing the Celtics, I could have picked three or four guys off the Celtics bench that could have started for the Heat, you know. Mm. So, uh, no, nah, the Heat, uh, Heat are definitely not, not, uh, <laughs> wasn't surprised to me at all. Where do you think uh, D Wade ends up next year? How do you think this free, agent pro- free agency process uh, goes for him? I don't think he goes anywhere. And, and But the thing is, is, you know, Pat Riley's smart. He knows that he can't waste any time in getting away some help, you know. He's got to do that fast. He's, he's got to get figure out, I think, the key thing for the New Yorks, the New Jerseys, the, uh, you know, the Miami Heat to the world, the Chicago Bulls, Pick a free agent that you really think you got a legit shot at. If you're New York, do you really, 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 really think you're going to get LeBron? You have to make the call. You have to try. But do you really think you're going to get him? 
do you really think you're going to get to win weight? I don't, you know, make, go after somebody that you know that you really have a strong chance of getting. Or you could be left with nobody in a pocket full of money and criticized. And uh, that, to me, is going to be the tricky thing for all those teams is, it's like going to the club. Okay, they got these ten girls here. Well, who, who's on my level? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Do I want to try to holler at Halle Berry <laughs> or Halle Jones? You know what I mean? Mark, thanks for putting it in terms I can understand now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unfortunately for me, a lot of my analogies revolve around women. So, <laughs> But I think dudes can understand that, you know, and that's what those teams have to do. Isn't that, isn't that, though, isn't the most sort of story that has gotten, the biggest story to me that has gotten swept under the carpet this year as the season has gone on is right before the deadline. Remember all the buzz about the Heat getting Amari Stoudemire and the fact that it didn't happen now. I mean, it, no one talks about that anymore, but wouldn't that have, I mean, that would have just shifted the NBA off its axis. How close were the Heat to really getting Amari? You know what? I think that was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Hmm. And... And you notice it was Boozer too, right? That right. they were, they they kind of made a run at too. Yeah. All I think that was was a means by Pat Riley and the Heat to show way that those look these are people that we're interested in. We're showing you that we're interested in these people. Um, but why why trade for them now when we could get them as free agents? I think the only thing that's going to be a challenge. For any of these teams trying to re-sign people, is if you know, there's that one thing that you got to remember, which is why Wade is not going nowhere, which is why LeBron is not going anywhere. Is okay, LeBron, Wade, Bosh, um, Amari, maybe not Boozer, Joe Johnson. All of them are going to get max money, right? If you stay with your parent club. You're gonna get like a, a extra year on your deal than if you go somewhere else. That extra year is worth thirty million dollars. And Wade said it best. He said, "Shoot, you could be Warren Buffett. You could be Haley Slim. Thirty million dollars is thirty million dollars. So the only way you can get that thirty million dollars from another team is if you get a sign and trade. So if you're one of those marquee guys. What's the point? That's a lot of money, man. Yeah." Just so you could say I play for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you could change your address. Even when they even so even when they throw in that you know oh yeah I'll give my current team a discount. It's all still way more than they would be getting if they go elsewhere. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's it, the the system is built for the your parent club to make the most money. It's built that way. So when it's all said and done, I think the way everything looks now. It's all this, all this to do. Like, I'm not going to the Essence Music Festival in New Orleans because I'm going to be covering this free agency, <laughs> right? Yeah. And in the end, I'm gonna wish I went to New Orleans. Yeah. Because you're, which is what you're, because <laughs> what you're Cause saying. I think it's gonna be is probably the most exciting thing is Bosch will probably go somewhere and decide to trade to New York or something like that. Wow, and that's not very exciting at all, is it? No. Well, okay, before we get into round two then, because this is what we really want to talk about, the 2011 season coming up, is this uh, is this season going to 
absolutely happen, in your opinion? The lockout potential season you're talking about? Yeah. Like, after, you know what? This is something I'll be in it. A lot of people say no right now. But the one thing that will be interesting is both sides really don't want to strike, one. Two, I wonder how to, and it, I know you'll find this aspect interesting. How will the NFL's you know, lockout affect the NBA? Theirs will be first. Theirs will be going on before the NBA gets going. And then all the NBA players could see how the NFL players are affected by it. Then they, they also get the NBA owners aren't stupid. They're going to be like, wow, this will be a chance for us to promote our league um, even stronger while the NFL is sidelined. So when it's all said and done, I wonder if that will play a role in maybe helping the NBA come come to, to, come to agreement because there's not going to be too many opportunities before uh, February where people are going to be paying close attention to them, and this will be one of them. That's, a, that's an interesting angle on it. As, as you know, the, the conventional wisdom sort of right now is between the two leagues that the NFL at least has a huge pie that they're arguing over how to distribute, whereas the difference is the NBA actually has some legitimate problems. And so that's why folks are worried about basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a... Uh... The odds aren't good right now, but also I don't know how much of these players have really saved their money like that either. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, how tough can they be? <laughs> you know, oh, it's just so sad in some cases for sure. All right, kids let's, gotta eat, man. Kids gotta eat. Let's let's talk about uh, round two. This is very that now. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Uh, Eastern Conference. Let's start with the uh, one series that we've already actually seen a game, Cavs and Celtics. Celtics uh, looked good for three quarters, and then the Cavs just decided uh, it was time for them to play some basketball. Do you think these Celtics, I mean, these two teams uh, split the regular season series. You give the Celtics any chance to make this interesting? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know, man. I just. They got to be on all cylinders, and I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I just don't see it. I mean, one game Paul plays well, and then Ray Allen doesn't play well, and then Garnett plays well one game, and you know they. It is before they would all be on the same page playing well during that championship year, and you know while they drilled Miami, I'm I'm not really, you know, all that impressed about Miami, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so say that. That series could have been fool's gold in making people think that the Celtics are great again when they're playing a terrible team. Um, but, you know, we kind of saw the reality of it in, in game one where, you know, the Celtics play great, had a good lead, LeBron turns it on and wins. It's kind of like the Utah Lakers series, the first game, too. So uh, I just don't see that same mystique with the Celtics. I think they're a really good team. I just think Cleveland's a great team. Since you brought up Utah and the Lakers, let's jump to that one real quick before we go to the other series in the East. Um, what, I mean, what, what would you say to the argument, though, that that was a little different in the sense that Utah has never... I mean, Utah, let, let's say you're the Jazz. There is a side of you that's got to be encouraged, I would suppose, with doing so well in a playoff game at L.A. 
Yeah. And is there any truth to the buzz? And this sort of buzz has died quickly after seeing Kobe play yesterday. But there was a lot of buzz in the first round that Kobe may be, I don't want to say damaged goods, but he's not the same player he was. Do you buy into that? Um, no, I, still, I just think he's tired. You know? Um, I think he's tired. And he, he's played a lot of basketball. you got to remember, he played 2007 FIBA Americas. He played in the Olympics. He's played in the finals the last two years. There's just a lot of wear and tear in those legs. And I always remember, you know, um, a couple years ago, I want to say when the Pistons won in 2004 and then the next year they didn't repeat, I just know Chauncey was, like, tired, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was the, the 2005 finals or just the playoffs. I think it was the playoffs in 2006. He's just like, man, I'm just tired. You know, and I think Kobe's that way. He's just tired. Um, he said after game one that he thought he was, uh, his legs were getting stronger. And there's a lot of rest. I mean, after some game on um, tomorrow, they don't play again until Saturday, you know. So he's certainly getting a lot of rest. Um, so I think he'll be fine. The stakes are a lot higher, but he, he just... When you're playing this late into the season, year after year after year after year, and you're in your 30s, it's going to take a toll on you. I, I think the biggest remedy for him is rest. He's just not going to get it anytime soon. So I'm assuming you believe the Lakers won't have any problem in that series either then? Uh, no, I think they'll win the series. Um, I just don't, you know, my concern for them is buying them. You know, not that I wrote about it uh, on Yahoo Sports about him not having the surgery and how he could be back and a week or two, and he's opted not to. And now it's just—I he, think it's going to get progressively worse. He was running hobbled, and that's, he wants to play that way the rest of the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Let's take the other series, not the uh, not the marquee teams of uh, the Lakers and the uh, Cavs in the East. Orlando and Atlanta—that kicks off uh, tonight. Orlando won three out of four over the Hawks in the regular season. And they don't really have an answer for Dwight Howard, do they? 21 points, 16.8 rebounds a game against the Hawks this year. Anyway, the Hawks, and especially based on the comments you just made about how the Hawks looked in round one, anyway, they can make this series interesting. No. (laughs) (laughs) The long preamble for the no. (laughs) Um. That's funny. They don't have anybody to match up with Dwight. Dwight destroys them. Um, Dwight's angry because he had a terrible first round. I think one of the biggest Hawks mistakes is that they don't have a true center to play alongside Al Horford. They force Al Horford, who's undersized at the center position, to play center and put Josh Smith because they're protecting Josh Smith at the power forward position. Where... I think they need to teach Josh Smith maybe to get his weight, you know, get back to his younger day weight and play small forward. And, you know, if they could get some kind of athletic big, I think they'd be interested. I think that's the one thing that's keeping them from being an elite team is that they they got these guys playing out of position. And now you got a series like against Orlando where Dwight Howard's going to take advantage of it. Shows me that they should have not. I mean, they should have swept the Bucks. 
And so that very weak mentality, I, I just don't have any. I mean, now that I'm back in that comfortable underdog role, I play harder and everything. They might win a game or two, but Orlando owns them, and I don't think that series is going to last long. To me, and I think for most people, the the series that everybody's looking forward to in the conference semifinals, definitely the Spurs and the Suns. Now, I'll give you credit, Mark, because you, you called it. You called it before round one where you were like, the Mavs could be in big trouble here, and the Spurs are the team that – no one wants to face. Is that also the case here? How do you see this plan? How do you see this playing out? <laughs> well, I think I went against the grain here too. Because now everybody's jumping on the Spurs bandwagon. I picked the Suns. Nice. And, and the reason why I picked the Suns was, uh, if you look at the scores of each game, and I, and I understand it's a regular season, but I, I think it's a preview of what it could be. Each of the three games they played, both teams scored over 100. That's not Spurs basketball. That's Suns basketball. The Suns won two games easy and barely lost the third. Based on what you see in the regular seasons, you know, I, I think that Suns temple will probably continue. And that, that's basically what the series is going to come down to, Suns basketball or Spurs basketball. And if the Suns run, this isn't the uh, Spurs of 2005, but Duncan will be back quickly, you know, where, where they stopped all those fast breaks because they got back quickly. I, I just don't think they could get back like they used to. And um, I, I don't know that Duncan wants to chase Channing Fry around the perimeter or, or you know, he, he can't stop Amari like he used to be able to stop Amari. It just... Um, the athleticism, the up-tempo movement of the Suns is, is, is a, to me, the worst matchup that the <laughs> the Spurs can have. And uh, so I, I like the Suns in the series, assuming they could play their style of play. I, I just think this, even as gritty and as smart and veteran as, as the Spurs may be, that up-tempo style is, is kryptonite now. Well, that see that that'll be very interesting to a lot of uh, listeners to this podcast. The fact that you you pointed out where you know these games were high scoring in the regular season, the Suns were able to dictate tempo, and to the extent that they can do that this series, that will go a long way towards dictating who ends up you know emerging on top. That's interesting. I, I there are NBA conspiracy theorists, Mark, and you know those people say the NBA wants certain teams to advance to certain rounds. Well, Denver will be in the second round then. Uh, so you don't buy into that. <laughs> Denver would have been there already, huh? Uh, you know, I think some people would probably... <laughs> okay, if such was the case, wouldn't Cleveland have made it to the finals last year? Yeah, I think you're right. They absolutely would have made it. Yeah. I'm just... They won. NBA certainly didn't want Orlando in the finals. They won Cleveland in the finals. Nike wanted Cleveland in the finals. They had the puppets. You know, it, so the only conspiracy theory I believe is that that first draft lottery was rigged and Patrick Ewing going to New York. No, that's Patrick. A, no, that's other than that, I don't really believe any of the other stuff. <laughs> now, that's interesting to me as a as a guy who was a huge Georgetown fan and then just put his head in his hands when the Knicks got that pick because I just couldn't take it after playing St. John's and Syracuse all those years. Do you, uh, since you, since you bring it up, do you subscribe to the envelope 
theory that one of the envelopes was ajar, let's say? Or what, what, how do you think it was manufactured? You know what, the latest one I heard <laughs> was that the envelope was put in the freezer. Right, that's right. And so he could tell by touch, which was... Yeah. <laughs> which is actually pretty ingenious. You <laughs> put the envelope in the freezer, and right before it starts, there's one cold envelope in there. By the way, if anybody anybody wants to look at it, there's actually you can you can find this on YouTube and you can actually form your own conspiracy theory because you can you can almost determine if Stern picks up an envelope and drops one on purpose or that sort of thing. So it's it's pretty interesting. Oh, what happens? You can if you watch Stern, if you're inclined to believe this conspiracy about yeah. the 85 draft lottery being fixed so that the Knicks get Ewing with the first pick. If you closely watch David Stern and how he'll pick up an envelope out of that sort of circular glass contraption they have, yeah. you can sort of, you know, inform your pre-existing bias by being like, oh, you see, he touched that one and then he dropped it on purpose. Or he and he sees holding that one, he's keeping an eye on that one, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if one envelope's cold and the rest of them are room temperature, then, hey. Yeah, people forget though. You know, people—that's the thing. We—we've obviously had years of Bird and Magic, and then followed by Jordan, and now, of course, Shaq and Kobe. But people forget. You know, '85 was only five or six years removed from when the NBA did not matter. I—I I, I often say to people, you know, and, and when the Washington Bullets—this is going to date me here. I was a little boy, but when the Washington Bullets won the NBA championship in 1978. Sports Illustrated ran the story on page 75. Wow. I mean, that's how drug-infested, off-the-radar the NBA was in the public mind at you know that point. What? It's interesting you mention that, because uh, I'm good friends with David Aldridge, works for NBA uh, TV and TNT now, and, and I tell him, I said, you know what, the one thing that drives me crazy about NBA TV is that they don't show, like to me, they should do an old school game of the day. Oh, I would love and that. every time they show one of their old games, it's like 90, 1990 and up. I want to see stuff from as late as they can find film. You know, yeah. I, I really still to this day have not seen, I've seen bits and pieces of West and Baylor, maybe a little bit of Russell. But I like to have a greater context on how good these people are. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm a producer of a documentary about uh, uh, New Orleans cop during the Superdome during Hurricane Katrina. It's starting to get pushed around a little bit, trying to get moving a little bit. If anybody's out there listening, uh, interested in documentaries, uh, holler at me. But anyways, uh, I was talking to the guy who I'm doing a documentary with, and he said he knew somebody in Paris who has some George Mikan footage. Wow. Games. And I think if you, like you said, the NBA was so unpopular in the late 70s and everything that most of the games that were shown had to be from local television. You know, from, you know, mm-hmm. local TVs that like, like, I know for years when I was a kid in the Bay Area, KICU TV 36 for the Warriors games. They've, you got, know. they've got to have and footage. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, to me, if I'm NBA TV, they need to scour the nation, the local stations, and try to, like, I remember one time, just, they had this obscure 1976 ABA championship game, Nets, Nuggets, 
David Thompson versus Dr. J. It was fantastic. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, to me, they like to promote the history of their league. How better to do it than to show the old games? It, convoluted theory, but I no, think you know no, it's it. it is an interesting point about the NBA. I know we're we're, we're strained, but if, if I were to ask you, like, what's the one game in the 1970s in the NBA that that, that you've seen? I guarantee you, if it's only I, I just one, told you, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even NBA. No, right, but the, but if there is one NBA game, the game they show is that Celtics Suns. Um, yeah. you know, triple overtime or however many overtimes, you know, 1976 championship game. But you never see anything else from a whole decade. And, yeah. I mean, just to use the Bullets as the team that I brought up, they had Wes Unsell, the Big E, Elvin Hayes, and Bobby Dandridge in the same front court. I mean, those teams are yeah. amazing to watch. And it is just from a contrast standpoint, not to mention the fashion standpoint of the short shorts, it's a different ball game, and it's fascinating yeah. to watch. And anyway, I, you know. You know, what's interesting, too, is to me, the 80s was great basketball. Great, great basketball. Mm-hmm. And every it was amazing how much better everybody could shoot then. <laughs> like, even amazing. the center. And everybody had a true center. And I love watching those games. I love the physicality of the 80s. You know, the Showtime versus the Celtics. I remember, I'm sure you remember those Sunday afternoons, man. Celtics-Lakers game. You've been waiting for that for about a month or two. And they only played twice a season. And, oh, man. That was good TV on a Sunday afternoon, man. I couldn't wait for those games, you know. And uh, I used to love, I mean, now we're inundated with games, but when it wasn't like that in the 80s when I was a kid, I was really excited about Sunday afternoon watching some NBA basketball because basically all I got was the Warriors. I got to see the Warriors all the time, and I got to see the Hawks on CBS, uh-huh. and I got to see the Bulls on WGN. <laughs> you, you and that was about it. Everyone got to see Dominique, that's for sure. And and I love Dominique until I saw him play in person against the Warriors. I'm like, man, that dude shoots way too much. Man. <laughs> Does he know he has teammates? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you make a good point about you know the lack of t- you know taking it back to today, the shooting. You know the the mid range jump shot is is the lost art. Oh, they were like layups to those guys. Yeah. And, and miss mid-range jumpers, and and the lack of the true what we what we came to know as the true center, and how many of those are even in the league right now? Like if you off the top of your head, out of all the teams in the NBA, how many teams actually have the true center that you can rely on? You know what? All the good ones. All the good ones, exactly. You know, I mean, even like you, somebody probably said, "What about Phoenix?" Well, Robin Lopez, he's decent. You know, um, you know the best center in the NBA right now. Could be playing in New Jersey. Wow. Brooke Lopez. Wait, better than Dwight Howard? I like him, man. He's underrated because he's playing on a bad team, but he's much more gifted offensively. He's definitely a better offensive player than Dwight. Yeah, that's for sure. You know. Well, let me me rephrase it. The best offensive center in the league. I was going to say, let's not get crazy. Brooke Lopez. Wow. I did not expect that to come from you today. That's interesting. But offense, yeah. I can No, he's, 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 he wouldn't have averaged eight points in the first round against Charlotte. I guarantee you that. Well, let's, let's project ahead here. Uh, you like the, you like the, uh, the Cavs and the Magic, obviously, in the East. And I'm hearing Lakers and Suns, then in the West, projecting forward. Please tell me it's not, as they say in, in French, fait accompli. That's not a, that's not a done deal here that, uh, we're looking at a Cavs. Lakers final. 
I'm sorry, man. Oh, good lord. I just can't wait to figure out if they got a direct flight from L.A. to Cleveland. It something tells me no. <laughs> That's your only concern. <laughs> well, you know, they probably do. You'll find an airline that does. Continental. Someone will. Yeah, but us riders, we root for cities. Go, uh, you know, Phoenix and L.A., no problem. Cleveland, eh. <laughs> Let's yeah. go to Orlando. <laughs> oh. I love how it, it immediately reverts back to your own self-interest. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Root, root for the cities. So bottom line then, Mark, is this LeBron's year then? I mean, is it, or, or Lakers have something to say about that? I think so. I, I think it's LeBron's year. Um, they're just too talented from 1 to 12, too long. All their weaknesses were fixed. They're all on the right page. LeBron picks it up when he needs to. I just like what they're doing. They're just playing great basketball, and they know how to win now. And, and uh, they're just following his lead, and his lead is a fantastic lead. I like Cavs. Have you noticed anything thus far in the officiating? Um, I know the Lakers and Thunder had huge discrepancies, but to the, has there been to the point in any of these series where you just shake your head and you're like, "Come on, guys, let's let's ref this." Uh, in a way that doesn't matter. Nah, I mean, I try to. I probably stay away from the referee stuff more than anybody. I mean, this this is what I say to everybody: go go ref a game and then come back and see what you think. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. That doesn't get made enough. <laughs> it's a hard job, man. And the one thing people gotta realize is the games don't happen in slow motion. Now, there's, there's some calls where you're like, "Come on." I know you saw that. You couldn't, uh, from your vantage point, but you're talking about giants moving quickly. This, this can be easy to uh, to figure that out. And, uh, I, and I'll tell you what, when I was in, uh, I got a new appreciation for referees when I was the uh, first two years of college. I went to Foothill College in Los Angeles, Hills, California. I was playing basketball, and we had like this uh, Chinese basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, at our school, and, and we got to make some side money refereeing these games, and uh, <laughs> it just brought my respect for referees to a different level. One, and I never forget one of the guys was so upset with a call that he kicked my teammate in the chest during the game, <laughs> and one of my teammates chased him up and down the college, could never get him. The guy was too fast. Isn't it, isn't it funny and, uh, how no matter what level you're refing on, you become the villain instantaneously? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's not an easy job by any means. So for everybody that, that complains and bitches about Russ all the time, just go do it. Some rec league game and, and see how you get treated. And it's a thankless job. I never want to do it again. So by and large, been good though during the NBA playoffs. All right. Well, we we definitely got some nuggets from you, especially on the uh, Suns and Spurs, and uh, the fact that. You are willing to believe that the 85 draft lottery was fixed and that Brooke Lopez is the best offensive center in basketball. I like that. <laughs> We're all over the place. Yeah, man. Well, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to just, uh, I know I picked what everybody thinks in the finals, but, you know, try to give you some screwballs. Well, I appreciate it. No, we do. We love, uh, love the insight. Uh, it's not often that we have, uh, you know, Mr. Big Time coming on the show. We appreciate it. Hey, yeah, okay. I'm just trying to keep my job. (laughs) Mark Spears (laughs) from Yahoo Sports covering the NBA beat, and you're headed off where now? What city are you going to? What's next? Uh, uh, I'll be at Game 2 in L.A. 
getting yeah. to in LA. Nice life. Yeah. All right. Mark, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. All right, buddy. Anytime. Pregame.com. Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports. Gil Alexander. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.